0: Father, we pray for this uh, Baptist church in Illinois that today had such a shocking, horrific thing happen, and uh, God, it seems like we're hearing about this. We heard about it in Garden Grove. We've heard about it in Colorado. We've heard about it in in other parts of the country, and and Lord, we know that we're not immune to people who are desperate and hurting and confused and, and sometimes just so filled with anger, but But we know it hurts. And we pray that this church in Illinois would have your hand upon it as tonight they've gathered for uh, a prayer service. We pray, God, that you would be with this man's children as uh, they're wrestling through now what it means tonight to go to bed without their father close by. We pray you'd be with his wife. And we pray that the words he taught and the things he said and the life he lived and what he stood for would echo in a more powerful way now in that area, and may it spark, Lord, a revival of people understanding how important it is to know you. So we pray for them. And Father, I want to ask right now that you would speak to us. God, this is a pretty wide topic we're about to look at. And I pray, Lord, that each person here would find a reason, a truth, uh, a huge part of tonight that's for them and uh, they wouldn't let go of it and they would understand lord that their that your word has a message for them a message of love a message of hope uh, a message of uh, of how to live life in a practical way and i pray this in jesus name amen uh song of solomon chapter two um I don't know if you heard about the man that um, went to the doctor because he wasn't feeling well. He was just losing all his energy and and he he felt like his hair was falling out and and he was just a mess. And he went into the doctor and the doctor said, well, we're going to have to perform a series of tests. And when it came back, he was. I mean, this guy's health was descending in a huge way. And the doctor said, I got, I got some, some bad news for you. Um, and it really is. It's the fact there's nothing we can do for you other than you need to have the most stress-free lifestyle possible. You are so burdened. Stress is getting to you. You're graying. You're losing your hair. But I'm not kidding. This could kill you. I mean, it's tearing on your heart. It's weighing on you. And you've just got to find a way to, to, to rest. You've got to meditate. You, you've got to not allow this to get to you. And he said, well, okay, doctor. And he said, I want you to go on out. I'm going to have, I am want to talk to your wife. So he brought the wife in and he said, ma'am, I got to tell you, your husband, I'm not kidding, is in horrible shape. Your husband literally could die. And uh, what I need, he needs the most stress-free life possible. So what I need you to do is I need to, you to know, get up before he gets up. And you make sure that the kitchen's beautiful and you're made up sparkling. And when he comes down, you greet him with a smile. You make sure he has the best breakfast ever. And you make sure when he walks out the door, you've done nothing to stress him out. You give him the best beginning of his day possible. And then when he gets home at night, you need to be there with the house spotless. You need to be fixed up to the best of your ability. You need to make him his favorite meal. And then when it's over, you take him into the living room and have him sit down and relax while you go clean up. And don't let him help you. And uh, when it comes to uh, sexual satisfaction, it's one of the best stress relievers ever. You need to make sure whenever he's in the mood, you take care of your husband. He goes, do you understand? And She said, I do. And she walked outside and got in the car. Her husband looked at her and said, what would the doctor say? And she said, the doctor said, you're going to (laughs) die. Okay. Hey, where we're at right now is in the midst of what's an amazing, amazing story, a, a play based on a true love story. And what's happened is, is the Shulamite uh, is a girl who was brought into the midst of, I'm reviewing now, was brought into the midst of the court and she's standing there and she could not feel more out of place. She's around some of the most beautiful women she's ever seen, dressed in the most amazing dress she's ever seen, in the richest place she's ever seen. And she just doesn't feel like she fits. What she's wearing, she thinks she stands out. Her skin has been swarthy, she says, because of working out in the fields and the vineyards. And she's looking at these girls who've never had to work a day in their life, and they're always taken care of and pampered. And they're staring at her like, who is this girl, maybe not knowing that Solomon's brought her there. Maybe. Be worse knowing Solomon's brought her there and they're looking at, thinking she's the one and they're just staring at her and she says don't stare at me and then in the midst of all this they she she whispers to Solomon is there a time when we can talk and they make these snide comments at her like well if you don't know you just follow and chase him and, and around giving her the worst advice ever that would rank up there with being on the bachelor anyway and uh uh, and, and so what happens is is she's in this just time that that's horrible and then all of a sudden Solomon stands in front of everybody and he says words that that mean this he says in front of everyone oh my gosh are you beautiful do you realize how much you stand out there isn't anyone as incredible as you. You are almost a goddess in the midst of these women. And yeah, you can imagine what happens to all the women. And then he says, oh, how beautiful you are in the, your adornment. And then the other girls say, oh, we could take you shopping. We could buy you beads. We could get the things. And they start all chiming in. And he turns the crowd in a moment by letting them know that if they don't love this girl, they're in trouble. And uh, uh, he just sways them all then it's time for the banquet to start and he goes up on his luxurious couch to eat and, and the girls go to their section of the this huge banquet hall to eat and it says that she sits there, she smells this pouch that he gave her that's a sign of love and she says that, that in smelling it she thinks of him and his character and how incredible he is and how caring he is and how sensitive he is and she uses a term for him, he's like a shepherd, a shepherd who loves a shepherd who cares, a shepherd who protects, a shepherd who would never leave. And she looks at the character of this man and she says, oh my, I just am so in love with him. And then in the midst of the banquet, he walks over to her and he says, would you like to go outside? And they go for a walk. And, and he tells her that no one's more incredible than him, her, that, that she literally is the one that he has been waiting for all his life. And he's looking at her and she's looking at him thinking, I can't believe this. Just months ago I was thinking there would be nobody for me and now the most incredible man ever is speaking to me and she screams out, I am the Rose of Sharon. She said, because of the way you're making me feel right now, I can't imagine that that I could feel better than I feel. I couldn't feel more beautiful than I feel. I couldn't feel more special than I feel. And when you're with the person God has for you, and you're in the life that God has for you. You should walk around in awe of how special you are and how incredible you are and how amazing you are. Now, we live in a society that's going to try to rob people of that. They're going to say, well, when you get older, you've lost it. But not in the eyes of God. Uh, uh, and I shared with, this, uh, with you before, I think one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life is Mother Teresa. Now, you don't have to agree with me, but I'll tell you what, man, that woman was wow when she entered a room. Why? Because she had a heart of gold. And, and God, I know, looked at Mother Teresa and went, wow. Wow, that, that's beauty. And you know what? We've got to start seeing things the way God sees things. And we're in a society that doesn't. And I always get so concerned that many of you here might feel like, okay, you can say words like that. You can say, well, yeah, you know, when you're with someone, you feel so special. When you... W- And let me say this, and I really, really mean it, so let me say it. Do you realize how special you are? God looked at you and said, I'll put Jesus on the cross and let him die for you because you're worth it. Now, I don't want you to miss that. God says you're special. God says you're worth it. God says it is the most amazing joy ever that I could get you. He feels that way about you. And if you could see yourself through God's eyes you would realize how much you matter. And that's a part of what this book really is trying to get across is letting your letting you and everyone understand that you matter. So what happens is they're on this walk, and she's amazed at it. And she looks at him and says, I've never known anybody like you. I'm paraphrasing the poem. I've never, I mean, if anybody I've ever seen, there's been no one like you with your love and your sensitivity and your character. And later on, she's going to say how handsome he is. And and she's just amazed at it. And then what happens is we pick up where we are tonight, and we're going to talk about, you're ready for this, the growth of love. And and, and this is where I want to say something here. If we're really talking about love, would you agree it's complex? Would you really, it's hard to understand? Like if we go, oh, like if I I walked up to you and said, define love for me. I, I mean, I've heard some of the lamest explanations possible. You know, people trying to define love. And I don't mean to be mean about that. It's just, come on, this is love. You know, love is choosing to do the best for the other person. Well, that might be a small part of it, you know, but I don't think that, I, does that encapsulate love? You know, love's putting the other person ahead of yourself. That's, that's, does that encapsulate? Love is huge. So the reason I want to say that is what we're going to look at is a little complex. Because as we talk about the growth of love, it begins with patience. Then it moves to impatience, and they both come together at the same time. If you're really in love, there should be a patience and an impatience of you that you live out at the same moment. Now, you might say, well, that almost sounds crazy. (laughs) Good. Now you're understanding love. All right, and uh, uh, grab hold of what it says in 2 chapter 3, because what's going to happen is is he or she is going to talk about him. And she's going to say, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. In his shade, I took great delight and sat down. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. So they kissed. Okay. All right. Uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Um, and, and notice what happens. They, they kissed and came back inside. And, um, and by the way, later on, they're really going to kiss. But we'll wait for that one. Uh, in chapter 2, verse 4, they come back inside. And notice we know they came back inside because she says this. He was brought me into his banqueting hall. And his banner over me is love. Now, now, now notice what's happened here. He, she walks back in with him and everybody's looking. Because when Solomon entered her room, man, it was like, whoa. And they see that they've been alone together, not in an appropriate way, in an appropriate way. And when they come walking back in there, oh, my gosh, look, they're together. Oh, my gosh, that's incredible. You know, do, do people do that? Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember when Ronnie and Natalia started dating. We'd stand around the office going, whoa, look at, oh, oh, they're sitting close. Whoa. And we got all excited. You know, I remember Doug and Maureen the first time they kissed uh what happened is we had a bunch of the students over at our house and maureen was staying with us and and we were waiting for doug and maureen to kiss and we're all standing around and doug went to walk her outside and we all rushed to the window and we're looking and watching quiet as we can be because we don't want to ruin the moment and then they kissed and we're like yeah cheering and screaming and going nuts you know i remember that moment; that was so cool but it might not have been your first kiss we thought it was but uh uh but, 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 you know, when people see a couple together, you're like, oh, look at them. And you get all excited, and, and everyone's done that. And she stands there saying, he's proud of me. His banner over me is love. He's proclaiming that he loves me. And, and she's standing there amazed that that's how he is. He's standing there excited that she's near him, proud she's near him. I know I alluded to this already and mentioned it quickly, but, but I all the time talk to college-age girls, high school girls, even some junior high girls, and they'll say to me, you know what, Chuck, when, when we're alone or we're on the phone or we're texting you know, or we're Facebooking or MySpacing or whatever, and, 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 and he's incredible. But when we get out amongst everybody else, he acts like I don't exist. Now, you know, I, there's an issue there. The Bible talks about the pride you have in the person you have. And and she is experiencing this. You know what she's saying in our day and time? She's saying he has a billboard up that tells everybody how much he loves me. He has a billboard up saying how much he cares about me. And she stands there thinking, I've never been loved like this. And and this is how God wants people to love, to care, to, to lift up that way, to make feel special. Then she says something in verse 6, and she says this, or I'm sorry, in verse 5. In verse 5, she says, sustain me with raisin cakes, refresh me with apples, because I am lovesick. Now, now, you probably already got what's going on, but I'm going to stop anyway. They step into the banqueting hall. Everybody looks. He stands there proud. She stands next to him. She says, he is, he is proclaiming not just that he has me here, but he's in love with me. And then she st- all of a sudden, her knees go weak, and she says, oh, my gosh, I feel dizzy. I, I feel, like, lightheaded. I, I feel, and she uses the word lovesick. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, you know, but, but let me tell you that God actually created that feeling to happen and, and it should happen between a husband and a wife and it should happen between, you know, a romantic dating couple and, and, and it's that moment where you experience it. By the way, this is a part of love. And we talked about it earlier, but let me remind you again, God made you to have sensory experience and love when it's love. Uh, At times you, you get touched and you're like oh my gosh And there's something that goes off inside And it may make you weak in the knees It may make your stomach not turn in a bad way but in a good way It may make you lightheaded in that moment It's just an amazing thing to feel And she said that's how I'm feeling right now And then she says her great desire But she hasn't said it out loud She's only saying it inside herself She says let his left hand be under my head And his right hand embrace me now, now, take that picture. Left hand under his head, right hand embrace me. Now, I don't know if she's saying he, she wants him to take her around in front of everybody. And, uh, you know, or uh, she's saying, I wish we could go lay there. I'm so, so amazed in this moment. I wish he would just cuddle me close. But what she's saying is I would long, long, long to be affectionate with him. Now, that's good. That's a good thing. But there's a patience to love. Because notice right after she says, this guy is just amazing me. This guy is cherishing me. This guy is getting to me. I wish that we could be affectionate together. What happens next? Look at verse 7. Solomon speaks and said, I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the hinds of the field, that you do not arouse or awaken love until it pleases. Uh, because of time, I'm not going to get into this. But the, the, honestly, the best translation is not until she pleases. It's until it pleases. Uh, it's the better translation of the Hebrew there. But, but here's the point. Because you might go, well, what does this mean? Uh, a gazelle. Think of a gazelle. Can you picture a gazelle in your mind, or picture a hind, a deer? So a, a, a hind or a deer. Uh, a, a hind is a deer or a gazelle. So let's let's go deer because most of us know deer. You're up in Yosemite and you're walking into an amazing meadow and you see a gorgeous, gorgeous deer standing there. Now, now, if you want to approach the deer, what do you have to do? You, you don't just go, "Hey, deer." <laughs> what would happen? Come on, are you guys with me? You yell to the deer. If you go, oh, a deer, let's touch it. And you take off after, will will it wait for you? No, is it possible though? I want to ask you, is it possible for you, if you're patient enough and, and, and careful enough to actually get to a place where the deer will come to you? Do you guys think it is? I'm going to ask you how many people think it is, do you? Okay, there you go. Now, that's what he says. I adjure you by the gazelle. Gazelle's the same thing or the hinds of the field, the deer's of the field, that you do not stir or arouse or awaken love until it pleases. You know what she says? She goes, "I wish right now we could cuddle." And he says, "You know what? We've got to take this slow. We don't rush love. There's a patience to love. Now, it's not that you can't be aware of your feelings, but there's a patience to it. Uh, There's an idea of not rushing forward. There's an idea uh, of giving enough space and then closing in just enough and caring enough and listening enough. And and if love is going to be love, there has to be patience to it. It can't be rushed. It can't happen fast. It can't be something you dive into. It can't be be quickly jumped into and, and experienced in a bad way. And so here's this amazingly beautiful girl saying, I wish you would cuddle with me and he says it's not time it's not time yet because when it is time in the right time in the right place we're gonna know now you you can't be sitting here if you're really clicking with me and not catch how countercultural what I just shared with you is I mean think about it uh, there's a book called he's not that into you uh, uh, I've actually read it. <laughs> uh, uh, anybody else here read it out of interest? There's a lot of that book I like. I don't know about you guys. There's, I mean, there's a lot of the book I like. As a matter of fact, I highlighted a section and gave it to a girl to read so she'd break up with the guy. And, uh, you know, so, so there's, there's, uh, there's some interesting things in there. But let me tell you an interesting one. There's a chapter in there that says, if he hasn't tried to sleep with you, then he's not that into you. And I thought, dude, you do not understand what it means to really love somebody. Because if you really love her, do you want her to be afraid she's pregnant? If you really love her, Do you want to push her into an area where where you're pushing the affection level way beyond you should and not give a chance to truly get to know each other, to truly begin to open up together, to truly reach a place where that kind of interaction can happen in a thing called marriage? That, that, That would be better. And see, the danger today is we've lost that. The danger today, we believe that, you know, it's just everybody does this. And and by the way, let me say this. I'm I'm actually concerned everybody does. I didn't make it right. Matter of fact, are our marriages better today? No. And when God's going to bless a union, there's got to be an amazing amount of patience to it. You already know the passage. Money, you already know it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, love is patient. But let's read on. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. Now here's the key part, ready? It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love says, I would never push this this is a girl that's so amazed, so enamored, so enraptured in love. And he said, we can't push this. We can't rush it. We just can't do it. You know why? Because love is like a garden. And I know that might seem all cliche or not even something we can identify with. But when you have a garden, you have to till the garden. And you have to plant the seeds carefully. And you have to nourish it carefully. And you've got to wait for the things to come up. And you have to watch for things that are going to ruin it. In other words, love has this amazing amount of patience to it. It doesn't rush. It doesn't get demanding. And by the way, that doesn't mean there's a passivity to it. We'll get to that more later. But the reality is is it's not going to push something and, 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 and create impurity in it. And love isn't going to use somebody else for their own pleasure. And love's going to protect the other person. And Solomon, by the way, think about who Solomon was. Don't you honestly know, I mean, don't you know that Solomon could have walked in and said, you in the vineyard, get in my bedroom. I'm taking you now. Couldn't he have done that? But he says, oh my gosh, you're being a little tempted. We're not going to even get close to that because I would never do that to you. I'm going to rush ahead, but I didn't mean, I probably shouldn't, but but let me go ahead and tell you. When she's in this moment of vulnerability and he says, oh no, we're not going to push this. We're not going to go further than we should. She finds him loving her more than ever. Now, you get ready. A few chapters later, there's going to be this problem that's going to happen between them. I think it's one of the most interesting marital problems we see in Scripture. And you know what? He goes away hurt. And you got to, this might throw it a little, he's got 60 other wives he could go to. There's tons of women waiting for him. And when they've had this incredible problem, some of her friends say to her, where is he? And she said, I can tell you where he is. He's in the garden because he would never go to anybody else. He's committed to me. Why does she know that? Well, she knows it in huge part because of his character we heard about, but she knows it in huge part because he would never take advantage of her when he had the opportunity to. He proved he was a man of character, but even more, a person of patient love love that cherishes, love that's willing to wait, love that cares. In Genesis 20 verse, or 29 verse 20, it says, so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. He said, "I, you know, seven years and waiting for you, that's not too long. Uh, I don't know if you heard about it, but Bill Hybels, wanted to marry his wife, Lynn, who is now his wife. So he went to the dad and he said, "Um, I want to marry your daughter. Will you give my blessing? And he said, I'll give you my blessing if you agree not to see her for one year. Bill, if you literally go apart, you do not call her, you don't write her, she doesn't call you, she doesn't write you, you guys spend a year apart and do ministry and then if you come back and say I'm in love with your daughter and I stayed faithful to her that whole period of time, he said I'll bless you completely. And you know what Bill Hybels said? Okay, she's worth it. She's worth it. Does that sound countercultural to you? Doesn't that sound like something called love? I mean, that you would wait a year for somebody. I uh, I, I probably I'm, I'm getting a little off target here, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. Um, I got to meet a couple one time. I, I talk about them all the time. I probably shared it before here. It was, a, it was one of those moments. I mean, I, I'll never forget it. We had Richard Wurmbrandt come to speak at Not Avenue Christian Church when I was youth pastor, and he introduced a couple. He had written about them in the book, and here they were right near Pam and I, and, and I walked up and got to meet them. The girl... When she was 17 years old, living in Romania, when Ceausescu was was leading Romania and actually ordered the extermination of Christians and the persecution of Christians by torture, by slaughter, by just extermination, she gave her life to Christ and got bold and went around and was witnessing and uh, what happened is Ceaușescu's secret police decided to arrest her. And then they found out she was getting married. And, and they had a state-run church you could get married in. By the way, the state-run church you were allowed to come and meet, but the pastor had to be an atheist. Isn't that weird? And then he could do the wedding. And so what happened, it was the day of her wedding, and, and, so what, and she was standing there on the altar with her husband, and, and the pastor was just about to pronounce her her and her husband, man and wife and all of a sudden out of the crowd comes the secret police and they run up and they grab her and they handcuff her and they, they say to her, you have a choice. You can go with your husband and be married or you can come and have your honeymoon with us but if you, if you want to go with your husband you must promise us you'll never share the name of Jesus again. All she had to say is I'll never witness again. And she stood in front of the crowd, and she held up her hands and said, I praise you, Lord Jesus, for giving me my wedding bands today. And they took her away, and for seven years, they raped her and beat her over and over and over again. They, they beat her and beat her and beat her, never, ever providing medical attention. They would come in and say, your husband is no longer your husband. He's married someone else. They would come in and say, oh, no, he's now got son. And they, they went on and on and on, and she didn't believe it. And then seven years later, it was arranged by some people in the United States that she'd be ransomed out. And she comes walking out of the prison, and he's waiting for her. He had been faithful seven years. By the way, what do you call someone who's faithful for seven years? You call that a person of love. And, and, and she walked out and she looked at him and he ran to her and she looked at the ground and said, don't look at me because I'm ugly. Her face was so contorted. And he grabbed her face in his hands and looked at her and said, you've never been more lovely to me because on your body, you bear the brand marks of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, when I met him, they had just started some reconstructive surgery. You could still see what they had done. For seven years, he prayed for her. For seven years, he remained faithful to her. They came and told her, him, she's dead. And he said, no, I, I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to pray and wait and be faithful to her. She's my wife. We don't understand that kind of love in our society. We don't get it. And yet that's love. That's why I have no problem saying to a college couple, stay pure sexually. Because if you love each other, you will. That's why I have no problem uh, saying it to a high school, junior. Do you realize we're in a society today that says junior hires can't do it? And uh, you know what? And I would say to anybody, a, a single person who's now waiting for that right person, it's, it's the right thing to do. There's a patience to love. Now, there's not only a patience to love. But look at verse 8. There's an impatience to love. It says, this she, uh, she begins to talk now and she says, listen, my beloved, behold, he is coming, climbing on the mountains, leaping on the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he is standing behind the wall. He is looking through the windows. He is peering through the lattice. Now, by the way, if you did these things today, you'd get arrested for, you know, being a voyeur. But but here's what she's saying. She goes, listen, listen, he's out there somewhere. He's going to be coming soon. Oh, I think I hear him. I think I hear him. Oh, look, he's leaping. I mean, this guy's like Superman. He leaps from hill to hill, you know, and, and she's peering out looking for him, and he's getting closer, and then he's even looking into the window, and she's going crazy. Why? Because she can't wait to see him and be with him. In other words, there is a patience of love of willing to let it grow. And there's this impatience of love of saying, I can't wait till we're together. I can't wait to spend time together. If you're engaged, I can't wait to be married. Uh, I, uh, you know, if you're dating, I can't wait to get engaged and get married. You know, uh, uh, you know, and, and when you're married, oh, you got to go on a trip. I can't wait to get back to you. Uh, by the way, tomorrow I go to Orlando, which, by the way, I can't wait to get over. This is the one I got in trouble for, and, uh, but, but I know what will happen is, I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm going to die. I, I just, you know, I, I, Pam and I have been married all this time, and, I, and I'm going to miss her. You know, it's just like, oh, man, you know, and, and there's this impatience of I can't wait to call, I can't wait to hear, I can't wait to get back, I can't wait to catch up, you know, and, and, and that's just what love does, and, and that's how she feels about him. She says, I just can't wait. I want to be with you. And, and then in verse 10, she quotes what he said to her. She says, My beloved responded and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. Real quickly, so we're in spring. If winter is past, the rain is over and gone. He, wa- he comes rushing in, and he says, Come here, come here, it's springtime. And then notice what he goes on to say. Verse 12. The flowers have already appeared in the land. The time has arrived for pruning the vines. And the voice of the turtle dub has been heard in our land. The fig tree has ripened with its figs. The vines and the blossoms have given forth their fragrance. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come along. Now, now, you may not grab it right away, but this is one of the most romantic sections of the book. Because she had already said before, my favorite place to be is outside alone with you. And he rushes in and says, this is it. Not only do I want to take you outside, I'm going to take you to the most beautiful place imaginable. If you thought the gardens I had were incredible, wait till you go see what springtime has done to this area. We're going to go away. We're going to be alone. We're going to share together. And, and this is called romance. He knew what she loved. He knew what she was into. And he was ready to meet her need where she was. Uh, to me, the definition of romance is to know what the other person desires without having them tell you. I, I, this may not be true, although I think it is. Guys, have you ever had it happen where your wife said, you know what? Never send me flowers anymore. Well, now you're in trouble. You can't send her flowers. means nothing, right? It just ruins it all. What you got to do is find that thing she wants. Uh, uh, I I remember one time when I wanted to be romantic to Pam and, and, and we're sitting in that moment and I handed her these two huge heavy boxes and she starts digging in and opens it up and she goes, oh, and she screamed with joy. I got her a power saw and a power sander. And I know the rest of you are going, what? No, you were pumped. Pam's like, oh, you knew that's what I wanted. You knew. And then I go, come here. And out in the garage is this pile of wood. And she's like, oh, and she's hugging me and kissing me because she goes, how did you know that's what I wanted? And believe it or not, it's what she wanted. I know, I told you guys, I'm married to the perfect woman. Go to Home Depot, baby. And, uh, and, 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 and she was thrilled. One time I bought her a basketball for Mother's Day. I know you're going, what? But I had been listening to her talk to the guys, and she had been talking about playing basketball with them, and we wrapped it all cute and stuff. And she goes, a basket. She goes nuts because I got her a basketball. Now, for most of you, that might not be a good idea to get your wife, hey, baby, I got you a power grinder. You know. And, uh, <laughs> but, but you know what is is in her case, it's what touched her heart. Uh, and, and that's what romance does. Romance looks for that moment and says, I'm listening to you. I know you. I care about you. I'm going to meet the need you have. I'm going to take you to the restaurant you would love, not what I would love. If I took Pam out on a romantic dinner to a Mexican place, I'd be dead because that's not what she likes. But you know what the reality is? As we're sitting on Valentine's night, we're amazingly sick. Uh, uh, We got that cold that's going around and we're both not feeling good and and Valentine's isn't what we wanted it to be and, and we had planned to go out to a nice dinner. And I looked at her and I said, hey, I know. I know uh, what would make tonight special because she's achy and doesn't feel good. I go, how about we set up the candles and we have in and out hamburgers? And she's like, yes, and she's hugging. See, guys, I told you, the perfect woman. And, uh, and, and it really was incredible. She, she was pumped. And you know what? The reality is, is love is the studying the other person. And without getting too far off this, have you ever thought about something? God only gives you what will really matter to you. God is the one who only gives perfect gifts. He loves you so much. He is going to bless you with things in your life. You're going to step back going, God, I had no idea. I had no idea this is what you wanted for me. And, and that's how God loves you. But love does that. Love looks for that opportunity. Now, then this is, it gets really incredible, and I want to make sure we get to this before we stop. Verse 14 He's taken her outside to a place that she's so excited and they're alone and she's thrilled with the moment. And then he says these words, oh my dove in the clefts of the rocks, in the secret place of the steep pathway, let me see your form. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your form is lovely. Now he's telling her how beautiful she is, but what he's saying too is he's saying, I just want to look at you. I want to give you my complete attention. It is easy to listen to you. I get caught up in what you say. I want to tune into you. I want to listen to you. I want to hear from you. And notice in verse 14 it begins, Oh my dove in the clefts of the rocks. Do you know what he's saying to her? He says, you're like a dove that's hiding in the clefts. And I can hear a little of the sound. But I can't see you. And I can't hear you clearly. And you know what he's saying to her in this moment? He says, you know what? I can't, I, that my greatest desire... This is his greatest. I want to know you. I want to know what you love. I want to know what you care about. I want to know what matters to you. I I want to know what you think. I want to know what your priorities are. I want to hear from you. I can't imagine anything more joyous than listening to you. For a man, it's when you walk in the door and you see your wife and you say, hey, how was your day? And you really mean it. Sit down and tell me about it. I want to hear what it was. Give it. There's nothing more important than hearing what important things happened to you today. And and, and for the guy to have the wife say, hey, tell me about, I want to hear, how did that make you feel? And that's what he's saying. He's saying, my great desire is that you would open up to me. Uh, I I want to know. And by the way, this is the sign that relationship's growing. When you start going to deeper and deeper levels of discovery, notice he says, you know, he says, let me hear your voice. Your voice is sweet and your form is love. He says, man, there's nothing better than hearing from you. And I can't wait to tune into you. And then he says these words to her Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyard while our vineyard is in blossom. He says to her, You know what? I really want to hear. I really want to listen. Let me tell you something. I need you to help me catch the foxes for us. We need to do this together. We've got to protect our relationship. The vineyard is their relationship. The foxes are the things that at first are cute and sweet, but they can bring destruction to it. He goes, Is there anything I need to know? Are you is anything hurting you? Are you feeling left out? Is there something going on inside? Is there something I can do for you? Or if there's nothing else, I'll listen to you. But I want our relationship protected, and we've got to do this together. And he says, Deep down inside i think there's something going on and i can't pick up what it is see now i want you to think about this foxes to me are amazing when we had our fox out here for the chronicles of narnia man i stood there looking at that thing and that was awesome and incredible and you're thinking oh that's cool but if you're owner of a vineyard a fox is like a rat man it's just wrecking the thing and if you think oh it's cute and you let it spread it'll ruin everything When we lived in Azusa, California, one night we're all coming up the walkway and we walk up by our front door and there's this huge intricate spider web with this big old spider on it. And, and our boys are little uh, I think probably uh, eight and, and, and seven or six and we're looking and they're going oh that's the coolest spider ever and I go come on around the back oh, go, oh my gosh look at the colors of that and I got to tell you I'd never seen a spider like this it was big it's got kind of this cool yellow fluorescent on it and I knew it wasn't a black widow and, and we're all looking at it and I said guys come here and we went inside and we turned on the kitchen window and you could watch it out the window And I thought, you know, this will be the coolest thing ever for the guys. It's kind of science. We'll just let it keep, you know, catching mosquitoes and flies and eating them. And pretty soon actually one got in there and we saw it go up and eat. And, man, we're cheering it on. And I thought this is the coolest thing ever until it had all these eggs and it hatched. I'm not talking like one or two little baby spiders. We come walking up, and we're like, what's moving on the ground? And we look down, and, and the ground is literally covered with, I'm going to say, thousands of little spiders running. And I'm like, and they're going under the doorway and into the house. Now, that wasn't so cute anymore. Man, Pam's going, I told you. I'm going, but it was romantic that you let me. No, not really. And, uh, and that's what he's saying. Solomon's saying, at the moment, the fox might look okay, but you tell me what's going to ruin our relationship. You tell me what could take it down. And the point of this is this. While love has a a patience to it. And love has an impatience to it. You ready? Love has a vigilance to it. Love says I want to be careful for anything that would harm our relationship. Anything that would destroy it. Anything that would take away from it. And and he says I I want to be careful about that. I don't want to let anything ruin it. And then we have to ask that question with the people we love. And we got to ask the question with Jesus. Jesus. What is it that would harm our our walk with God? We say all the time that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, right? So then what are the foxes that could wreck our relationship with the Lord? What are things that could, could harm it, that could grieve the Spirit, that could quench the Spirit, that could keep us from connecting in intimate ways with Him? If we love Him, we'll ask that question. And then she responds to him. She's going to answer and say in verse 16, My beloved is mine and I am his. He pastures his flock in the lilies. It's the beginning of saying, I really believe you love me. I really believe you care for me. And then she tells him her greatest desire. Until the cool of the day when the shadows flee away, turn my beloved and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of Bethar or Bether. By the way, if you uh, have a, a footnote there, you'll notice what she's saying is, I want you to be like a, if I had my greatest desire to share with you, I would love us to be together all night long as you lie on the mountains of Cleavage. Uh, We're not into the extreme sexual section, so I'll just let you decide how to interpret that. but that is what she means. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you what she means. She's going to say, I want you to lay between my breasts and cuddle me all night long. She had already said, I want to be cuddled by you. Now she's saying, I just want to hold on to you that way. I just want us to sleep together and be together and share together and have you never leave throughout the night. I don't want to have to go and be alone. And and he's, he's going to say, yeah, but we got to wait. We've got to wait for the right moment, the right time, because our wedding day is going to come. Now what I want to get at is this, is that the reality is, is God's great desires that we understand what true love is. That love is patient. That love desires to be with someone else. That love is vigilant and and protects itself. And and, and you want to have that in a dating relationship in a healthy way. You want to have it in a marriage relationship in an amazing way. And, And so, by the way, that means that some couples who are married may know to may have a huge need to go sit down and have a face-to-face and say, hey, man, the fire isn't what it should be. The passion's not what it should be. Let's, let's, let's do an analytical view of our marriage, not to tear each other down, not to be critiquing. But why wouldn't we want to talk honestly about it? I really believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that Pam and I have a great marriage. I, I mean a great one. But, but I don't even know how much she enjoys that, but there's probably two times a year, three times a year minimum where i pull her aside and i just begin to quiz her on how we're doing and i say well let's just start tearing up spiritually how we're doing financially how are we doing you know sexually how are we doing uh uh, uh, am i listening to you are are you being worn out by the 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 the, the, what it takes to be the responsibilities of ministry uh how are we doing here are we fulfilling our hopes and dreams and, and we begin just to look at it and, and tear into it. Anything you're uncomfortable with. And, uh, and then she goes back with me. And the reason is, is we believe that a relationship that, that matters ought to have some intentionality to it. It doesn't ruin the romance. It gives me a chance to really listen to her. And that's what Solomon was doing. By the way, I assume you do this. I really do assume this. That you have sometimes you sit with the Lord. You say, Lord, how are we doing? I, I, I want to be everything you want me to be. God, what is there that needs to be changed? God, here I am. If you need to just take something out of my life, do it. I want to be closer to you. Uh, if I need to be more patient, go ahead and put me through a trial and help me be more, you know, if I need more self-control. God, if I need to understand what it means to be more in tune to your heart and your spirit, how about this one? And I, I'm going to almost be done. If I need to know how you feel, how much of our life is spent tuning into how he feels? What breaks the heart of God? What brings joy to God? I, I just want to be in tune. And I want to be one that brings you joy. And, uh, uh, and, and God, how are we doing? And, and you don't feel like all downcast and beaten. It's like incredible to get to do that and to dream that way and, and to plan. You know, we might sit together with Pam, and, and this isn't one she'd necessarily say. She might say, you know, we talked about this trip to Napa, and, and when's it going to happen? You know, and, 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 and I really want to go do that together. One time she shocked me. I sat down, what would make our relationship better? And my wife Pam says, I want to do a marathon. I'm like, What? How does that make our relationship better? You <laughs> know, and she said, I want it's just a dream I have, and I want you to support me and 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 I want you to do the miles with me. And and so that meant when she did her 20-mile run in, in Huntington Beach over though. I wasn't gonna do the marathon, we went down to Huntington Beach together. And 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 then by the way, I being romantic, this really was one. I said, we'll go do it. But what I'm gonna do is rent a room at the Hilton on Huntington Beach, and when we're done, I'll just let you go get in a tub filled with ice and let the ocean breeze come in, and then I'm gonna lay on the saying, why? And, uh, uh, you know, and and, and we did that. And and by the way, Pam ended up doing a marathon in San Francisco. She nailed it. She finished it. But, uh, uh, which, uh, yeah, praise God for that. So. But, you know, in those moments, God and you talk, or you and uh, maybe a friend have a checkup, or you and a romantic partner, a married, you know, and and you do those. Maybe a child. How we doing? How can we improve? Now, it obviously takes two. But God has created us to live in a real relationship where we understand patience, by the way, waiting on God's big, where we understand impatience, we can't wait for the Lord to come. Matter of fact, as a Christian, what do we say, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly. I don't know about you, when I saw the economic problems, oh my goodness, I'm almost, I got to be out of time. Did you hear Gordon Brown from England is actually pushing for a one world economy? Uh, never mind. Anyway, uh, and I go, oh, yeah, the rapture. And, uh, you know, you get excited about that. And then the vigilance of it, you know, and, and we just watch over that. But but by the way, it's about love. It's about love. So so let me go ahead and wind down. Tonight, I hope you have amazing relationships you're experiencing love in and friendships and maybe even professional relationships that are successful because you actually have respect and maybe a, a degree of, of Christian love in there. It, I hope that you know, depending on your stage of life, that you're finding God moving you in relational love situations. And, and if not, you had to say to God, "I know you've made me for this, and so I I want to find it. I want to experience it." Then the, the next thing is the most important: is where are you at with the Lord? Uh, are you experiencing love with Him? And if you're not, let me tell you, he couldn't love you more than he does. God wants to spend time with you more than you want to spend time with him, no matter how much you want to spend time with him. You, there's, God has nothing better to do than to spend time with you. Nothing's more important. And so tonight I want to ask a question. Do you love him back that way? And if, if you do, then praise God. Let's keep growing in that. If right now you would say, you know what, I don't know that God and I are that close. I don't know if I'm like the Romanian girl who, if I was told... I could never share Jesus again, I'd say, then take me to prison. Because I I, I would never not share about him. I don't know if I have that kind of love. Well, you know what? Where you discover it's by opening up to him. The more you get to know him, the more he captivates your heart. And tonight, if you're not that close to God, how do you do it? Well, it's like any relationship, you got to say yes. Tonight, we really believe the Holy Spirit's going to stir and touch some of you. And it's, it's very much like the Lord saying, you want to do this? Do you want to share a love relationship together? And then you have a chance to say, I do. I do. I, I want this, Lord. Yes. And the way we're going to ask you to commit to this tonight is while we're praying, if the Holy Spirit stirs, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer to him where you will say, I know, Jesus, you love me so much you died on the cross for me and I was worth it to you. And I know you want to cleanse me and forgive me of my pains and my hurts and my sins. And I know that that you have a life for me to live. And I want to live that life with you. I'm ready for it. So I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper a prayer like that. Tonight, also, if you're somebody who used to be really close to the Lord and you're not close to him right now, I'm going to ask you to also... If you want to come back, what you need to do is do a a renewal of your vow to him, a renewal of your commitment. Not too long ago, there was a couple who we found out about that was struggling, and and, and they finally decided to come back together. It was a beautiful thing when they stood and and, and recommitted their vows together. And, And tonight, for some of you, you may need to do that with the Lord, just to let him love you in a deeper way, and you open up to him. So tonight, if you want to have that heart, with God, that life with God, that love with God. And if you want him to guide you in the relational areas of love, then tonight I'm going to challenge you if you need to to pray this prayer. Let's pray together. Father, I know that you love us, and I know this, you know us. You know, God, what you want to bless us within our life. You know what gifts you want to bestow on us and surprises and experiences that would amaze us because love you Lord you love in such an amazingly incredible way and and I pray there's not a man here or a woman here a guy here or a girl here who wouldn't be open Lord to being someone who experiences love with you. And so I pray that you would stir in hearts. I pray you would call people to you right now. I pray if there's a a, a girl here who Lord, Lord She needs to know what it's like to be loved. And I pray right now she would want to open her heart to you and let you do that. And it's the beginning of a pathway where not only she finds your love, but the love of others. She may feel like there's never been that dad in her life, and she wonders why. She was never daddy's girl. But tonight, Lord, you want to draw her to you. And you want her to understand that you really want to be her true father. And you want this relationship to be real. I pray for the guy here tonight, Lord, who he uh, he sometimes wonders, even though he puts on the front that everything's okay. Is anyone ever really going to know him? Is anybody ever going to just truly, truly be captivated by who he is? Really long to be with him and listen to him he doesn't know that this whole time you've been watching, you've been listening, and you've been caring. And tonight it's time to become real. And I pray he would open up to you tonight. I pray for anyone here who needs to come back to you or come to you for the first time. So I pray, Lord, your spirit, your Holy Spirit now would move in this room, that there'd be a stirring in hearts and people would be ready to pray this prayer and say yes. I'm going to ask that we keep praying, and if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make this decision? So right now, let's whisper this prayer to him together. Just say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this, and I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love, and fill me with your spirit. And help me be who you've always created me to be. And help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that tonight. Man, praise God.